tonight. Let's turn to the book of Job. Book of Job. I want to take just a moment and thank the Lord for his goodness and his grace. God is so good to us. Uh, We are so undeserving of all the love and all the care of God, yet he sheds it, he he, he spreads it to us, he pours it upon us. And um, I appreciate the Lord and, and, and what he's done in my life and uh, I'm amazed often at the fact that God uh, allows me to have such a part in his work. And uh, what a great privilege it is that we can serve the Lord. And if you have a, a part in this church in any, any way, uh, you should rejoice and be thankful to God. And if you don't have a part in this church, you ought to get busy and get one. Uh, there's lots to do around here. There's never a lack of, of, of needs of jobs to be done, and, and all of us, each one of us, our, our church uh, boasts of the motto, every saint a servant, every member a minister. So let's make that true. Don't, don't be, a, don't be a, a, a spectator. Don't sit in the pews and watch everything being done. Do something. You'd say, well, I'm, I'm uh, Brother Rapture, I'm just not physically able to do anything. Well, then pray. Be a prayer warrior. Take time each day. Pray for the pastor. Pray for his wife. Pray for the ministries of this church, pray for our government leaders that they would make wise decisions and be a prayer warrior, pray for your brothers and sisters, those that are ill, those that are in need and, and just uh, get busy serving God and, and that is so important. Um, tonight I want to I speak about lessons that we learn from the life of Job and tonight I'm speaking to some here uh, who are walking in despair. Some here tonight have lost your jobs and you don't know what will happen next. Some here tonight have lost your health and perhaps you fear the worst. Some here tonight you've lost loved ones and you grieve from the loss and the loneliness. The times before us are uncertain. All around us, evil works to further rob us of the heritage left to us by our forefathers. We live in a day of corrupt governments, greedy employers. We live in a depraved society that seeks to undermine all that we call righteous. Pornography, promiscuity, lewdness, debauchery, these have all replaced morality, honesty, and integrity. Sometimes we wonder what's going to happen. How long can things hold together? There's a song, and I love this song. It's called Farther Along. Any of you know this song, Farther Along? Let me read the words to you. Tempted and tried, we're oft made to wonder why it should be thus all the day long. While there are others living about us, never molested, though in the wrong. Tempted and tried, How often we question why we must suffer year after year, being accused by those of our loved ones, even though we've walked in God's holy fear. Faithful till death, saith our loving Master, short is our time to labor and wait. 
Then will our toiling seem to be nothing when we shall pass through the heavenly gate. Farther along, we'll know more about it. Farther along, we'll understand why. Cheer up, my brother. Live in the sunshine. We'll understand it all by and by. Let's pray. Father, we don't understand everything we see. We don't know and understand why things have to be the way they always are. But one day we'll understand when we stand in your presence and stand with your wisdom. But we do know, Lord, that no matter what we face, what we see, we do know that our God reigns and that you are in control of all things. Help us tonight, Lord. Help us to to gain strength from this truth. We'll thank you and we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All the things that I mentioned a moment ago should be no surprise to us. The corrupt governments, the, the, the greed and the hatred and the violence in this world, they shouldn't be a surprise to us. Because God has already warned us about these. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, in verses 1 through 5, we read, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such, turn away. No matter what we face tonight, whether it be pleasant or whether it be grievous, remember this, that God is always good and God is always righteous. Listen, God isn't only good when our bank accounts are full. He's not only good when our cupboards are filled with food. God is good regardless of what circumstance we face. God is always good. In Psalm 145, verses 8 through 10, we read, The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and of great mercy. The Lord is good to all. And his tender mercies are over all his works. All thy works shall praise thee, O Lord, and thy saints shall bless thee. God is good. So tonight, whatever you face, God is good. Remember that. He's good all the time. And no scripture epitomizes this truth better than those found in the book of Job. So with the time we have tonight... Allow me to make some observations from Job's life. Tonight, let us consider, first of all, the character of Job. In Job chapter 1 and verse 1, we read, There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was perfect and upright, and one that feared God and eschewed evil. So often I hear people complaining about the condition of our country. 
They talk about how much things have changed. Have you, you ever hear people talking about that, how different things are, how much things have changed? Everything's different today. Things have changed so much. And I agree with them. Things have changed. But may I say without apology that the thing that has changed the most today in America is a lack of character. Here we see that Job, according to the scriptures, was a man of upright character. The Bible declares that he was perfect. Now that is not to say that he was perfect in a sense of sinlessness. Rather, it's to be understood that he possessed a righteousness in his life. A righteousness that can only be found by the grace of God. A righteousness that exists only in the person of Jesus Christ. Job was called perfect by God because Job was a, was a, was a, a saved man. He was a, a child of God. He was one of God's elect children. And in that sense, tonight, as you sit in this room, you too are perfect. We, as God's children, are perfect in this sense. But not only does the Bible declare him to be perfect, it says that he was upright. Now, this term upright speaks to the morality of Job. In other words, he was a man of moral character. I am so sickened today by the lack of morality in our nation. And nowhere is this more prevalent than it is in the television industry. And I fear that far too many believers today are drowning themselves in the cesspool that is found in television. Technology is great. It really is. Monday, we, we were, went with our daughter and son-in-law to Kaiser, and we, sat, we stood there, and they put this little thing in there, and they rubbed it around her stomach. And I saw my little grandson's hands up around his face, and I saw his little feet and his toes moving. I saw his little legs kicking. Technology is fantastic. It's a wonderful thing. But you know, like everything else, it's a two-edged sword. What can be used to be such blessing can also be used to be such a curse. And we, as God's children in America today, have become careless with this thing that's called television. And it is ruining our nation. It is destroying the moral fiber of America. Men that, and women that you would never allow into your home to influence your children... You allow into your home through the, through the television set and all the, de, all the depraved morals of, 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 of the wickedest men in the, in the country are piped through your television screen every day and your children and your grandchildren sit there and they absorb this in like a sponge. And we wonder today why we lack moral character. But I also want us to notice that the scripture says that Job eschewed evil. Now this word eschew means to shun or forsake. This means that Job avoided evil. He shunned it. He did not embrace it. He did not avail himself to it. He forsook it. 
If Job were alive today, he would not involve himself in such practices as we've discussed tonight. And if we were perfect and upright as he, neither would we. I want you to turn with me to the very next book in the Bible, book, the book of Psalms. And I want us to look at Psalm 101 together, please. Psalm 101. You read along silently with me as I read aloud these words penned by David. I will sing of the mercy and judgment unto thee, O Lord, will I sing. I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. O when wilt thou come unto me? I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. What a wonderful thing to do, right? Amen? To live in our homes in righteousness. That most sanctified place that that we have on this earth, our home, that private, quiet place. David said, I'm going to walk within my house. I'm going to walk in a perfect way. In verse 3, he says, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. A froward or rebellious heart shall depart from me. Now look what he says next. I will not know a wicked person. That means he's not going to make acquaintance. He's not going to become familiar with evil people, evil. Whoso privately slandereth his neighbor, him will I cut off. Him that hath an high look and a proud heart will not I suffer or allow. Mine eyes shall be upon the faithful of the land, that they may dwell with me. He that walketh in a perfect way, he shall serve me. He that worketh deceit shall not dwell within my house. (coughs) He that telleth lies shall not tarry in my sight. I will early destroy all the wicked of the land, that I may cut off all wicked doers from the city of the Lord. And this is a promise by David as king as to how he would conduct his kingdom before God. Let me ask you a question. How is your character tonight? Are we like Job? Would God consider us to be perfect and upright when God looks at us? Does he say, there's a, there's a man that eschews evil? Well, tonight, not only do I want us to consider the character of Job, but secondly, tonight, I want you to consider the challenge to Job. The challenge to Job. Now, I'm not going to take the time to read this entire section of Scripture. You can read it later. It begins with Job chapter 1, verse 6, and goes all the way through chapter 2, verse 8. It, it has to do with the, with the challenges of Satan against Job. But I will read the two passages that primarily deal with this. And in Job chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, we see that uh, we read, Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Hast not thou made an hedge about him, and about his house, and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thine hand now, and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. We see the accusation of Satan accusing Job before God, that 
Job only serves and loves God because God is good to Job. God blesses Job. Well, look at Job chapter 2 and verses 4 and 5 where we read, And Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, yea, all that a man hath will he give for his life. But put forth thine hand now and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse thee to thy faith. And again, Satan comes to God and says, well, you know, I took away all Job's wealth and that didn't, that didn't turn him on you, but, you know, that's no big deal. But take away his health, take away his life, curse him, afflict him physically, and watch how fast he'll curse you. Now, time does not permit me tonight to discuss how that Job's friends all assumed that he was going through all of this suffering because of sins in his life. You know the story, how his three friends came to him and they said, oh, Job, well, you know, uh, you got a proud heart, Job. That's why you're going through this. Oh, Job, you know, you, you gained all that wealth through, through shady deals, Job. You know, this is why you're going through all of this. And this is so common today. Many, when they hear of a believer who is under trials, often assume it's because they're not right with God, that there's some sin in their life. I, I've heard it. I've seen it. I've gotten the news of people who, who have some terrible thing that happened, and I'll hear someone say, well, yeah, you know what? If they were right with God, that wouldn't be happening. But can I remind you here that it was Satan who accused Job? God had just told Satan, he said, have you considered my servant Job? He's a perfect and upright man. He eschews evil. And Satan said, sure he does. Yeah, because you bless him all the time. Stop blessing him. Take away what he has and let's see what he does. Second time, God says, Satan, have you considered Job? How that he's a perfect and upright man in shoes Eve. Even though you took everything he has, he still, he still honors me. Yeah, sure, but go ahead and curse him. Take his life. Take, take away his health. Let's see how he reacts. See, it was Satan that challenged the motive of Job. And we better be careful here, Christian. We better be very careful. Be very wary not to use your tongue to accuse your brother or sister in Christ. When you begin to question the motive of another person, when you begin to criticize and accuse one of your brothers or sisters in Christ, you are filling the role of Satan himself. You better be careful. You better be very careful. Let me help you tonight. If someone who claims to be a child of God comes to you and begins to speak ill of one of his brothers or sisters in Christ, another believer, look them straight in the eye... And say this, get thee behind me, Satan. You say, oh, they'll get mad at me. It's okay. They'll get happy again sooner or later. Now, lest we begin to judge others here, I'm certain that all of us are guilty of this tonight. So don't be looking around at somebody else and saying, yeah, I heard you say that. Because all of us are guilty of this, Amen. All of us are guilty of accusing our brothers at some time in our lives. And we need to stop it 
We need to stop it because that's the work of the devil. It's easy to be critical of another person. Pride or arrogance or jealousy or greed. These are the characteristics that lead us down the pathway of criticism. But Christ has given us the victory over this. And he has shown us the path to take. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29, listen to these beautiful words that, were, that Paul was inspired to write. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. I love this next verse. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. You know, when we begin to nitpick and criticize and tear each other apart, somebody is sitting over on the fence post just laughing and laughing and laughing and laughing. Who do you think that is? Yeah. He's just as happy as he can be when we're all tearing each other apart. So we have to be careful about this. Job isn't facing these challenges in his life because of sin. He wasn't enduring this suffering because God was angry with him. He, just as you and I, was facing the trials and tribulations that God warned us about. So be warned tonight, Christian. You will face challenges throughout your life on this earth. In Matthew chapter 10, verses 21 and 22, we read, And the brother shall deliver up the brother to death, and the father, the child, and the children shall rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endureth to the end shall be saved. Oh yes, challenges will come. Disappointments will come. Heartache will come. The question is, when they do come, how will we handle them? How will we respond? Now this brings me to my next point tonight. And that is, let us consider the commitment of Job. We see the character of Job. Job was a, was a, was a perfect man. He was upright. He eschewed or hated and shunned evil. We see that he faced challenges in his life, just like all of us do. We're all facing challenges. Either we've gone through a challenge or we have one coming, but we will face challenges in our life. But now I want to look at his commitment. In Job chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, we read, Then saith, he, then saith his wife unto him, Dost thou still retain thine integrity? Curse God and die. Boy, what a wife. Huh? You're laying there and you're dying and your wife comes up and says, Oh, just curse God and get it over with. Hurry up, get out of here, I'm sick of you. What did Job say? Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. In other words, he said, you idiot. That's, you got to know the Greek to be able to translate it. He says, What? 
Shall we receive good at the hand of God? Shall we not receive evil? See, Job, Job had sense. Job understood that there's good and bad in life. He understood that bad things happen to good people. And it's not because God hates us or God's mad at us or God's angry with us. It's because of the curse of sin in this earth. Now, this is where many Christians today fail. We sing a little song with the kids. I'm so happy, and here's the reason why. Jesus took my burdens all away. Hey, now I'm singing as the day go by. Jesus took my burdens all away. Yeah. You know how most Christians sing that song? I'm so happy, and here's the reason why. I have a high-paying job. Or, I'm so happy, and here's the reason why. I made my mortgage payment today. Yeah. Now, you listen to me. If your joy is found in your job, if your joy is found in your possessions or even in your health, (coughs) you're in for a big, big fall. Job, in one fell swoop, lost his servants, he lost his sheep, he lost his cattle, he lost his crops, and he lost his children, all in one day. All of it. All of his children died. All of his crops were, were burned. All of, his, all of his cattle and sheep were stolen. His servants were all, were all taken away captive. All in one day. So what was his response? How will Job demonstrate his commitment to God? Oh, I know. He must have told his wife, that's it. If this is the way God is going to treat me, then I'm out of here. I mean, here I am trying to do right, eschewing evil, And this is the thanks I get? But that's not the way Job responded. We read in Job chapter 1 in verse 20 and 20 through 22, Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshipped and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave. And the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all of this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. foolishly. Now, there's a good chance that I'm going to get somebody upset right here tonight. But you listen to me. I am talking about commitment. Definition of commitment is the the trait of sincere and steadfast fixity of purpose. Commitment. Why do marriages fail today in America? Because of a lack of commitment. Why is our nation in in the condition it's in today? Because of a lack of commitment. Why do our churches across America often flounder and suffer needlessly? Because of a lack of commitment from the people. I grow so weary today of the lack of commitment found in God's people. Job purposed, he committed to serve and trust the Lord regardless of the circumstances he faced. Daniel, the scripture tells us, purposed in his heart not to compromise his principles because of his circumstances. David, David could have 
hidden behind the rocks like all the other men in Israel did when Goliath came out and challenged. But David didn't do that. He was committed to God and was not going to allow circumstances to keep him from doing what he knew was right to do. Conversely, think about those examples in the scriptures who didn't remain committed to God. Think about Elimelech for a moment. Things got a little tight in Elimelech's town. Jobs were scarce. So Elimelech said, oh, I got I to gotta, I gotta run out of here and go over there to Moab, go to the world. I'm just going to go for a little while. I'm just going to go long enough to make a little bit money. But we all know what happened to Elimelech, don't we? He died in that country. His sons married heathen women, and they died in that country. Now, some will say, oh, yeah, but that's how we got, that's where Ruth came from. Oh, okay, well, that's because God took bad things and made them turn out right. That's not, that's not justifying what Elimelech did, amen? Elimelech had no commitment to God. His commitment was to his own belly. His commitment was to himself. What about Lot? Because of jealousy and because of greed and because of pride, Lot forsook Abraham and cast his eyes upon the well-watered plains of Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, we know how that turned out, didn't we? That was really a good move. God is faithful to do all that he promised. Therefore, I can be faithful to my commit, in my commitment to him. I can depend on God tonight, and so can you. He took care of Moses in the wilderness for 40 years. He took care of Daniel in the lion's den. He took care of Elijah in the midst of a great famine. And he will take care of you, and he will take care of me tonight also. Just commit to him and serve him in your local church. Job was committed to God. And even if he had to die, he would not fail in this commitment. In Job 13, verses 13 through 16, we read, Hold your peace, let me alone that I may speak, and let come on me what will. Wherefore do I take my flesh in my teeth and put my life in my hand? Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. But I will maintain mine own ways before him. In other words, I'm going to keep committed to God. He also shall be my salvation. For an hypocrite shall not come before him. And that's where so many are today. Hypocrite. We claim to trust God. But when the rubber meets the road, what happens? We quit. You've seen it. I've seen it. We've all seen it. We forsake him and we run away. As soon as trouble starts, we bail. Just like Jonah did. Tonight, I challenge everyone here to make and honor a commitment to serve God in this local church. Get busy. If you're a teenager here, support your youth group. Be at every Sunday school class. Be at every activity. Pray for your youth leaders. Stand behind them and work hard. Invite friends. 
Do everything you can to, to, to build up your youth group. Adults in this Sunday school class or in this church, we do have Sunday school. Well, I don't really like it. I don't care if you like it or not. Isn't it time we make commitments? It's time we, it's time we stand up and honor and worship our God who made commitments to us and is faithful to keep them. We ought, to have so many, we ought to have so many men here to mow the lawn on Saturday that everybody just has to clip one piece of grass and go home. When we have a work day around here, it shouldn't take us more than an hour to finish everything we want to do. You walk in the church and you look at a row of pews and they're not straight. Straighten them up. Don't walk in and say, oh, well, that's somebody else's job. I'm not going to touch that pew. See, we don't have any more commitment in America. Not like Job had. Job said, I don't care if God slays me. I'm st- if he kills me, I'm still going to trust him. Make a commitment to God. From Job, we can learn a lot, a great deal about character, about facing challenges, about commitment. But then, fourthly and lastly tonight, let us consider the control of God. The control of God. You see, in this, in this story of Job, we, we, got, we, can't, we can't forget that God's in control of everything that's happening. Look with me, let's turn to Job chapter 42 together. Let's go to let's go Job chapter 42. And I'll begin reading in verse 7. You read along with me silently. And it was so that after the Lord had spoken these words unto Job, the Lord said to Eliphaz and the, the Timonite, My wrath is kindled against thee. And against thy two friends, for ye have not spoken of me the thing that is right, as my servant Job hath. Therefore take unto you now seven bullocks and seven rams, and go to my servant Job, and offer up for yourselves a burnt offering. And my servant Job shall pray for you, for him will I accept, lest I deal with you after your folly, and that ye have not spoken of me the thing which is right, like my servant Job. So Eliphaz the Temanite, and Bildad the uh, Shuhite and Zophar, the Namathite, went and did according as the Lord commanded them. The Lord also accepted Job. And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Also, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had had before. And we see here that at no time during all of this, At no time during all this suffering of Job was God ever not in control. And we see that God did not intend to destroy Job. In Job chapter 1 and verse 12, we read, And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power, only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth. From the presence of the Lord. Then again in Job chapter 2 and verse 6 we read, And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, he is in thine hand, but save his life. And at no time during all of this 
did God ever intend to destroy Job? God was in control of everything at all times. And you need to remember that. When you're facing problems, when you're facing trouble, you need to remember that God is in control. And his will shall be done according to his purpose. God is a loving father. He loves us. And when God allows troubles to come into our lives, it's for two reasons. First, letter A, God allows trouble into our lives to edify his children. In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 7, we read, And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? You know, when my children were growing up, I, I disciplined them. I spanked them. I chastened them. I didn't chasten the neighbor's kids. Now, when I was growing up, you did. When I was growing up, the neighbors would whip us. Anybody would whip us. Well, we live in a different world now. But I didn't go over there and whip my neighbor's kids because they were misbehaving. They're not my kids. I mean, I'd like to see them disciplined and learn things, but if their parents didn't care, okay. But I was going to make sure my kids were chastened. Why? Because I love them. And because I wanted them to grow, to learn, to be... To be uh, uh, moral people and, and to behave themselves rightly before God. And God loves us. And when God allows trouble into our lives, it's because we need to learn something. He's trying to edify us. He's trying to teach us. He's trying to make us to grow us. God allows things in our life that will teach us and help us to grow in Christ. When I was a, when I was a boy, my dad used to he had an old lawnmower, and when he'd crank it up, he'd have to reach down there, and he'd have to turn the screw on the, on, the, on the carburetor to set it, and that screw was loose, and it would keep loosening up as it ran, and all day long, he'd have to put his hand under there, and he'd have to adjust that little screw, and one day, I reached down there and was starting to grab that screw. He said, ah, don't touch that, because it was right next to the spark plug. He said, if you hit that spark plug, you're not going to be happy, but I didn't listen. I kept going there, and he keeps saying, no, don't do that. And after, after several tries, he just stood back and crossed his arms and watched. I reached down there, and pow! I cried for, for an hour. I couldn't feel my fingers. They were numb. I got, I, got, I got kicked. Now, why did he let me do that? He said, well, your dad was mean. He should have stopped you. Well, he tried to stop me. I was stubborn. I was... I was being hard-headed. I wouldn't listen. And he finally decided, okay, go in there and touch that thing, and you're going to learn your lesson. And I did. I learned my lesson. Now, God doesn't allow trouble in our lives because he's mad at us. He doesn't allow trouble in our lives because he hates us. My dad wasn't mad at me. He didn't hate me. He wanted me to learn a lesson. 
And God allowed Satan to do all this to Job. And in all of this, God never took his eyes off of Job. And he was not (laughs) going to allow Job to get hurt. And when you're going through troubles that maybe God allows you to go through because you need to learn a lesson, remember, he's right there. He hadn't turned his back on you. He hadn't forgotten about you. He's going to watch over you. But you're going to have to learn that lesson. But there's also another reason God allows trouble into our lives. And secondly, that's to exalt his name. He allows trouble into our lives to edify his children. But he also allows trouble into our lives to exalt his name. In Philippians chapter 1, verses 20 and 21, we read, According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I should be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, now also, uh, so, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. You know, there are times when Christians die for the glory of God. And according to Job, he was prepared to do just that. We must remember that suffering is, glorifies God. When, when we suffer in our weakness, we're made strength by, by his righteousness, and, and we bring glory and honor to the name of the Lord. God's name was, was glorified in Job's suffering. Satan was put down. Satan was put in his place by the suffering of Job. When Job endured, when Job endured his suffering with faith in God, God was glorified. Now, would God have been glorified had Job given in to all of this and, 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 and doubted God and lost his commitment to God? And No, God wouldn't have been glorified in all of this. Satan would have been able to laugh at God. And sometimes God may call on you to suffer. Sometimes he may call on you to suffer for his glory, for his namesake. Are you prepared for that tonight? Job was. Job was prepared to die if he had to. But we must remember that, as Paul stated in the passage we just read, dying is not a bad thing for the believer. In fact, the scripture tells us that God has delight in the death of our temporal bodies. In Psalm 116 and verse 15, we read, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Job did not know where this trial would lead him. But he did know that God is in control of all things. And he knew that if God willed for him to die, then so be it. And if God willed for him to live in affliction, then so be it. And in all things, Job believed and could firmly state, the Lord gave and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I know that there are people tonight who are hurting. And my purpose tonight was not to belittle your suffering or to belittle your fears. My purpose tonight is to remind all of us that our God reigns. He will do all that he has purposed to do. Therefore, tonight, let's live, let us live with character. Let us live in honesty, with integrity, 
adhering to morality and forsaking evil and the evil things about us. And let us face each challenge that comes our way. And let's face them with courage and with confidence in the one who loves us and has redeemed us. And let us honor our commitments unto God, not allowing circumstances to determine when, where, and how we serve God. And let us glorify God in all that we do, even in our sufferings. As Peter states in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 16, Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace. And Lord, tonight I, I know that there are people in our church and in our, in our community and in our area that are suffering, that are fearful for what will be, are worried about finances and how they're going to take care of their family. I, I know people are, are afflicted today and all these things. But Lord, we know that you're in control. And we know that all things work together for good according to the purpose of God. So we ask that you would strengthen our faith, that you would help us to, to walk and live with character, that you would, you would help us to, to make commitments unto you and to honor those commitments and to, and to glorify you in all things that we do. And through this, Lord, we'll thank you and we'll praise you for it's, it's your, it's, you are worthy of all honor and glory. Bless us now as we leave this place. We do pray tonight for our pastor. I pray you give him strength. I pray you give him the strength he needs to, to, to be the help to his wife that, that she needs. I pray for Pam that, uh, that, Lord, that you would confound the doctors and heal her. And we'll thank you and we'll praise you for this. But, Lord, we'll thank you and praise you for whatever your will may be. Strengthen all of us. Make us what we ought to be. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right.